0: Good morning, everybody. So glad you decided to uh, worship with us this morning. Uh, my name is Alex Baird. I'm the, the lead pastor here, and we are launching a brand new series that you'll see on the screen, and hopefully you, you got a program as you walked in. It's called uh, From True to Real, and we're talking about biblical truth from the scripture and how it's not only true like something we learn or something like intellectual or conceptual, but it's actually real in that it, it impacts our life. And uh, for this study, I just want to give a a quick plug for a resource that would be helpful uh, to you. And we've done this a few times, but uh, this is a illuminated scripture journal uh, by the ESV, which is the English Standard Version. And uh, we're gonna be working through in this series, the book of 1 John uh, in the New Testament. And uh, if you've never seen these, um, I got mine just this past week. And uh, you have the scripture on one side that you'll see here, and then you can take notes uh, on the other side. And the idea behind this is as you read scripture, uh, it's really helpful to not just read it like you may a textbook. And if you're like me, I grew up reading many books that I turned the pages, and somebody would ask me what I'd read, and I, I have no idea. But my eyes went on the page, I turned pages, and I finished the book. Well, the Bible is not supposed to be like academic literature, uh, it's actually something you have to chew on and, and wrestle with. And so uh, this scripture journal you can find on Amazon or Christian bookstores, uh, but it's just an opportunity as we dig in, uh, really. Of chapter by chapter of this series, you can read it for yourself, take notes, and then uh, you'll always have this as a reference. Now, here's what's cool about the First John um, Scripture Journal. Does everyone know what's cool about it? Well, that's a fantastic. Your enthusiasm is just blowing me off the stage. Um, you actually get, if you buy First John, you get Second John and Third John. Three in one. Okay, first time we've ever done that. Three in one. Uh, so I encourage you. Uh, to, to, to get that. But the tagline for this series is uh, moving faith uh, from the head uh, to the heart. So moving ideas into action. And that's actually what is supposed to be the reality of Scripture again and again, is that we learn and we put it into practice. And I want to talk about um, some definitions to, to, to start off. And we have two, um, true or real. True applies to ideas that I accept as true, but which don't affect my daily life. And I'll kind of illustrate that in a moment. So it's true, um, but it's very conceptual. It doesn't really impact me. Now, real applies to those ideas that I not only believe to be true, they're still true, but they're also real. Um, but I'm convinced that these dramatically impact my life on a daily basis for, for good or bad. So for instance, how many of you have flown on a plane maybe in the last year, Okay. I just went on a trip um, a week and a half ago, and I flew on the plane, and the captain comes on, and usually it's like, welcome, you know, we're so glad you're here. Uh, We're going to be cruising at an altitude of 29,000 feet, and for me, that's very fascinating. Like, okay, we're, we're high up, but knowing, like, the circumference of the earth and altitude that you fly is true to me. Like, I understand that you're talking about an altitude, but it does not impact my life because I'm not an airline pilot right, the the circumference of the earth, altitude, what that means for flying, it doesn't really impact me. Now, gravity, on the other hand, is true and real, right? Uh, I learned about gravity early on in science, and gravity's an idea, but gravity became real to me as an adult when I started jumping on trampolines again, okay? Have you ever, and this is for the adults, not for you youngins here, but have you ever as an adult gotten back on a trampoline and realized that either you changed or they changed because they're no longer the same. And it began with me with just taking some jumps and realizing that that jump up and that jump and that fall back down were not nearly as fun as when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, we used to, you know, cross uh, our legs and we'd be like the apple and you'd like try to crack the egg. And there's no eggs cracking now. It's like my back is cracking, right? That's real. Gravity impacts me to the point where I need to make a different choice. Trampolines are retired in my life because it's, it's, it's not just true, but it's real. It, it impacts me. It impacts the choices I make. It impacts the decisions I make. And, and that's the way Scripture is supposed to be for our life. Not a distant idea, but something that dramatically impacts the way that we live. And as a church... Our goal every week and in community groups, like Joel mentioned, everything that we do, we wanna keep looking at the scripture and say, well, how does that impact the type of life that we live? How does that impact the type of person that God wants me to be? How does that impact the way I make my decisions and my attitude towards those decisions and all of the things in between? And God is such a good God that he gives us his scripture that's living and breathing and impactful and it's up to us to engage with it. And that's what we're gonna be doing in this series, working through the book of 1 John. Now, there's spiritual ideas that can be true and not real as well. The idea of casting your anxiety, and Cameron, that was a beautiful song that from Isaiah, but the idea of anxiety, and the scriptures say cast all. Why? Because many times in my life, I'm spending much more time mulling on my anxieties than I am praying and giving them to God. So the concept is true to me. I know I can cast my anxieties onto him because he cares for me. That's what the scriptures say. But oftentimes it's more true than it is real because I just hold on to those, those anxieties. I mull on those anxieties. I focus on those stresses. I focus on the unknown. And before I know it, my anxiety grows. True, but not real. So what God wants to do is for us to identify in our own life, and even through other relationships where through The example of others and people encouraging us and challenging us, we can take those shifts and say, okay, God, how do I move things from the true category in my life to the real category? And that's what God wants. Now, the book of 1 John is a fantastic uh, book. John is is very blunt blunt and to the point. In fact, uh, if you read 1 John, there's no introductions. He just goes right into it. And we're going to read some of that this morning but he just talks about real issues so that Christians and those investigating what it means to be a Christian will have no doubt of what it means to follow in the way of Jesus. See, John was an eyewitness. He was a close disciple of Christ himself. He saw his ministry. He knew, him. he knew him in a not just true way, but a real way. He had a deep relationship. So what he says is, is credible because he's an eyewitness. He knows who Jesus was. And he jumps right in and he gives us truth after truth. And so what I wanna do right now is just preview where we're gonna be going in this series and the different topics that we're gonna be talking about. So today we're talking about the the invitation uh, that that John gives us as he starts his book. Uh, February 12th, next week, we're gonna be talking about sin and getting real with that and what that means in our life. Like How do we we deal with that in a real way? Uh, The week after that, uh, what it means to be a Christian. John defines that. How do you know if you're a Christian or not? The week after that, uh, he's gonna talk about heaven. And we're gonna focus on eternity and and how is that not just true, the concept of it, but how is it real and how we live? Uh, the week after that, uh, we're gonna be talking about love. We're gonna be talking about uh, the spiritual warfare we face and in, in the little things of life. that's called the Devil in the Details, March nineteenth. We're gonna have actually a guest speaker, uh, the lead pastor from Hope Church in Fort Worth. that's kind of like the mother church of our network. He's gonna be here. Uh, they're gonna be sending a team uh, or a group of men to be with us at the summit. And so, like Joel mentioned, if you've not signed up for the summit yet, please do, men. That would be a great time together. But Matt will come uh, on the Sunday and, and speak and talk about his own life and how he's made the shift from, from true to real. And he's going to be talking about being all in, you know, with Jesus. And then we're going to close out uh, the series talking about, on March 26th, really how this all comes together and changes us. And so I want to start with this idea of, of the truth that changes reality. I want to dig into... Uh, the scriptures, and then unpack it. So let, let's read it. 1 John 1, 1 verses 4. It says, That which was from the hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which, which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So like I mentioned, John goes directly in to this truth that is real. And he invites you to consider these important things about who Christ is. And so the idea of Christ is Christology. It's like the understanding and theology of Christ. And that, is the bedrock of the Christian faith. Because if we don't have the right view of Christ and who he is, then oftentimes it can stay in the true. That's an interesting idea, but it won't move to the real where it impacts our life. And so there's certain themes in this book that I wanna highlight that will help with the context of this. If you could go back to that previous uh, scripture there, I think it's without the, yeah, thanks. Um, Some of the, the, the themes are, this idea of of belief, and the command is to believe. And so John, uh, starting in this first chapter with the first verse, is wanting us to understand uh, our belief about Christ. And there's this command to to believe and to understand that, but not just belief in an idea, but belief in something that actually impacts our heart. And then uh, there's another theme of just being commanded uh, to love, and how belief and love uh, are connected, how we view God And who he is impacts the way that we actually relate to him and and others. And then a third theme is just being commanded to obey. Our belief and our love will always go into action. And so, if you can, think about those themes throughout your reading in 1 John. He's concerned with with my belief, my love, and and my obedience. Those three themes repeatedly in this book is what happens when we believe in life, belief into action and love and obedience. There's this increased joy that we experience in life. It's real. It impacts who we are. It impacts our outlook. It impacts our responses. Our joy increases. And he also describes this increased holiness that the the more we learn and put the scriptures into practice, the more we become like Christ. We're different. We shouldn't be like the world. We shouldn't be like the media. We shouldn't be like what we hear in the news or what we see on TV. We should be different. We should be like Christ. And then this increased assurance that as you move towards this holiness, sometimes you you can feel like you're, you're cut off from the things that really matter in life. But the increased assurance is, as I go God's way and on the narrow path, I'm living the full life. It's real. And before I move further, I, I just want us to just think about the joy and assurance, this confidence, this love. And if you think about what the world is striving for, that is what they want. Everyone that we encounter in our neighborhoods, in our families, our extended families, in the workplace, at the gym, wherever you frequent, your friends, what they want is, is they want to experience joy in this life. They want to have an assurance that what they're doing actually matters, it counts for something. They want a purpose. They want an identity. They want something real they can actually put their hands around, they can build their life on. And it's so important for us as Christians to realize and remember that what we're talking about with the truth of the scripture is the most real. Nothing can compare to the realness of the truth of Jesus and his holy word. Nothing can compare. And it's easy for us to forget, like to think that we're missing out, but it's the opposite. and in him, you can have full life. So John uh, is really writing from that perspective. Now, in 1 John and 2 John and 3 John, we, we, we hear more of his perspective, but he also wrote the gospel of John. And again, the eyewitness first account of Jesus' life. And so if you've never read the gospel of John, um, that's really helpful for you to read as well because you're gonna learn more about John's perspective that will impact even your reading of 1 John. So those are some things to just keep in mind. Now, uh, go to the, that next slide. I just wanna see, to, to show some things that that John is is writing, and these words are, are, are helpful. It's this uh, testifying and proclaiming. Uh, you see this uh, three times. And then he's testifying and proclaiming um, Three different things. And if you go to the next slide, you'll, you'll see that. The, the word of life, and then this life, which was made manifest, and then the eternal life. And so he's saying that, that, that there's some things that I'm proclaiming to you, and I, and I want you to understand, I'm going to repeat so that you can really get what's important. And then he describes it. Three testifies or proclaims, and then three things. The word of life, The life was made manifest in the eternal life. Now, uh, this is Christ he's talking about. And so this invitation that John invites us to explore and this invitation that he invites us to this path to walk on, to really experience the real life, is built again on on Christ. And so he starts with this invitation of these two claims about Jesus, about who he is. And so I want to unpack these. So the two claims about Jesus. The first is that Jesus... Uh, is God. Now, you may have, if you grew up in church, you may have heard this um, for a long time. Jesus is God. But it's very easy to hear Jesus is God and it be true, but not what? Real. It's true because I've heard it before. It's true because somebody's told me that before. So that John, that's what John, he, he's saying, I could talk to you about all sorts of things. I can remind you of the things that you've heard. I can remind you of the things that I've seen. But if you forget the two central claims about who Christ is, then there's no foundation for your life. There's no foundation for your faith. And so Jesus is God. And he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, and he describes it as the word of life. Now notice where he starts. That which was from the what? beginning. The beginning is talking about the eternal Godhead, three in one. Now, have have any of you heard of the Trinity before? Now, talk about something that is true, but sometimes not real. Have you ever tried to describe the Trinity? Your head begins to spin because it's very confusing. It's this idea of, of one God, but three persons, God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What John is doing here is he's not setting up a theology or a study of the Trinity, but he wants you to understand is as we're talking about Jesus being God, this first statement of verse one of the first chapter is so critical because that which was from the what? The beginning. He's saying Christ has always existed. From the beginning, he's eternal. He's the eternal God, Christ the Son. And he describes here the word of life. Now, the word of life in the Greek, that that word is actually logos or logos. And the Greeks at this time believed that there was this force that they called the logos that was behind everything. And in their kind of mystical understanding of spirituality, they thought that there's some force. We don't know exactly what it is, but it's this logos, this this force. And, And what John wants them to understand is that there actually is not a force, but there is a word of life and his name is Jesus. And he actually is in everything, and he has always been. So what John is trying to do is actually connect to his audience to help them understand that the thing that they've been thinking is real, the thing that they've been trying to get their hands around, that there's something going on beyond themselves, which all humans understand. Even if you don't believe, there's something that you can't quite put your hands around, that there's something bigger than you. John John's saying is, yes, let, let me describe him. He's existed from the, the beginning. And this is also connected to his gospel, John 1. If you can go to that, that uh, 1 John 1, 2, he's, he's been with the Father. And go to the next slide there. Oh, sorry, I think we have John 1, 1, don't we? If not, John 1, 1 says this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. There we go. So you could see 1 John 1, that which was from the beginning, and then this is his gospel. Do you see the the... Similarities: the same phrasing, the same structure. In the beginning, John one. That which was from the beginning, First John one. Again, John. This is crucial. This is this is foundational. With God and the Word was God. Jesus is God. He is the Logos. He is the Word. He's the Word of Life. Now, this is true. But if you think about this, how does this become real? Well, if you think about the eternal God that's always existed, that's the almighty God, that's the creator God. And then you think about Jesus being that God that, that comes in the flesh, you learn a lot about the character of God. If You think about it. It's not just an idea. You, you think about all that God is doing to save his people. You think about all that God does to help us. The eternal God, that which has been from the beginning, came to us. That's true. But if it's real, it transforms your life, your God concept, your understanding of who he is. This is foundational. Jesus is God. The second claim he's making is that Jesus is is human. Now, this is as important as him being God. We'll unpack this a little bit. You can go to the next slide. Jesus is human. And then 1 John 1, again, put that passage up there. And you'll see key words. So the word has existed, that which has been from the beginning, the word of life, Christ, the eternal God. He's always existed. He's, he's God. But then notice the descriptions of this humanity. He's, he's human because we've seen him with our eyes, and we have seen it, and we have seen, and, and you see this, this repetition. And then it goes on, and he describes more words. And you see that he's seen, and then he's about this eternal God that came to earth. And it wasn't this distant concept of this force, but we saw him in the flesh. We've seen him. And John himself had seen him and heard him. He had heard the words that came out of Christ's mouth. And then he says this as well. Go to the next slide. Which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands. Many scholars believe this is what happened after Christ had died for our sins, and on the third day, he resurrected. And if you remember, uh, there were many that didn't believe it. And there were some that said, I'll only believe it if I can see it or if I could put my hands in his scars. Do you remember that from the scriptures? And so the idea is like, he came, he appeared, and some would even touch the place where he was pierced. It's happening in real life, in real time, in real history, that people have seen it, they have heard it, because he's fully human at the same time, he's fully God. It was witnessed and it was verified. So the question is, the whole thing that John wants to get at is, why is it significant for Jesus to be fully God and fully human? Why is John inviting us to really wrestle and to understand this, not just truth, but for it to be real? Why would that be significant? Because if we really understand this, not only does it shape the view of God, but it also shapes our identity and the view of ourselves. I wanna read probably the most famous verse that's been attributed to John, and this is in his gospel, John 3.16. You ever seen those signs at the sport? It's amazing. It's like the most viral verse that's ever existed. And I praise God for that because it has the central truth of why it's significant. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So, very interesting. Because if you take John 3.16 in the context of 1 John 1, 1 through 4, you can see for God, no, sorry, go go back there. You can see for God so loved the, the world that He's existed forever. He's eternal. He's seen everything. He knows everything. But he loves the world. The idea is he loves the people of the world. He loves the people that, that he has made. That's true and real, the love of God. And the love of God caused him to do something, to give. What did he give? He gave his son that had been forever, and he sent him to earth. Well, why is that significant? Well, whoever believes, again, one of the bedrocks of what John wants us to understand, to believe should not what? Perish. Why would we perish? We perish because of sin, because of my sin. You perish because of your sin. We perish because of the world's sin, our parents' sin, our kids' sin. The world is tainted by sin. Our lives are impacted by sin. The scriptures say is that the wages of the sin is, is death. That's why we're perishing, because of our choices to go our own way, to rebel against the eternal God who loves us, who made us, but we know better. Why is this, this is significant? Because all of our attempts from the beginning of time have been, how do we get to where God is? And the first sin was not only how do we get to him, but how are we like him? How do we take the power that's only his and get what we want? We're righteous. And the only one who could be God. And he's existed forever and he loves us. If you go to that that. That next slide, John kind of brings this this understanding. Like I, I want you to, to to get this. And so, before I get to the highlights, he, he's he's heard and he's seen, he's looked and he's describing these things. Now, many people believe when John wrote this, uh, he was eighty to ninety years old. So uh, he was like the apostle that lived the longest. So, granted, somewhere in there, maybe it's fifty-five to sixty years after Christ had ascended, after he rose back from the dead, he's writing this about fifty-five to sixty years later. Now, in our original language, um, we don't quite get the nuance of what he's saying, but when he's saying we we have heard and when we have seen, the tense that he's using is is it, it's keeps ringing in our ears. It's like happened in the past, but it's it's happening right now. It's the idea of like, I can't shake what I've seen. I can't forget what I've heard. And there's this excitement that if you could imagine an old man has that you would think that like, wouldn't that just kind of fade over time? But it was so real to him that he wanted people to understand the significance of the greatest news that's ever been given. Jesus is God, and he's human. And because we cannot get back to God because of our humanness, only Jesus, who was both, could bridge that gap. That's the gospel. That's what Christianity rests on. It's different than any other religion. There's no work we can do. There's no rite of passage. There's no way to earn it. The scriptures say Jesus is the, the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through him. There's nothing we can do. And so John is saying, listen, if you understand this, there's two things that will happen that will become real in your life. The first is you can have fellowship with, with people. It's very interesting. He starts that you'll have fellowship with us. Now, fellowship is this understanding of this shared interest. of of loving and serving and caring, and we do it for each other. It's like this healthy relationships. And what John is saying is if, if you decide to follow Christ and stop trying to earn your way back to the God who made you, you will experience the most real relationships you'll have in your life. You will experience community. You'll experience care. You'll experience encouragement and challenge you will not experience relationships like you long for outside of the Christian faith. This is one of the most real statements John can make. We want you to have fellowship with us. We want you to have a place where you belong. We want you to have love in your life. And then notice as he takes it a step further, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So the only way that you can have this real community and these real relationships, what you've been searching for your whole life, the emptiness that you're trying to fill, you can only have it not from this special group of people, but you can only have it through this group of people because they're connected to the living God and his son, Jesus. And then he ends with this statement in verse four, and we were writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And he's saying, out of all the things in my old age, of all the things that I've done and all the things that I focused on, what would make my joy complete is for people to turn to Jesus, to live for him, to give their life for him, to become not just true in their faith, but real in their faith and to experience doing that with a group of believers. He's saying, that's the most important thing. So he's, he's inviting the reader, he's inviting us in, will this be what we build our life on? Fellowshiping with God, loving him, doing life his way, being convinced that, that his way uh, is, is really the best. I wanna share a quote from C.S. Lewis, which describes the human condition. He says, we are like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum Because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. What John is saying is if you really understand that Jesus is God and he's human and he came to this earth so that you could have a relationship with him, you're going to experience real life beyond the mud and mire of this earth. He's trying to raise our sights on something greater. This has to be experienced. And that's what this series is going to be. How can we move from the mud pies to this holiday that, that Christ has? And it happens as we put his word into practice again and again. and We're challenged by it. And we're stretched by it. And the truth keeps piercing our hearts so that, that we change. As I've been reading this this, this week, not just this quote, but this, this, this whole series. In these first four verses, I, I just kept thinking, God, will you help me to understand this? Like in a real way. I grew up in the church. And sometimes things can be so redundant in my own faith. I'm a pastor. And I can hear things and I can say things and they can become so redundant or so cliche or, or just so ordinary. But what John is saying at 80 to 90 years old, is don't ever forget. This is what life is all about. So for me, I'm, I'm trying to challenge myself to really understand Christ can be known. And as we pursue him, and as we experience the fellowship with him, we will experience the fullest life ever. And to not settle for, for counterfeits, to not settle for second best. So I wanna encourage you to, to do the same. This is the invitation that John is giving us. Let's let's move from, from true to real. Let's dig into the scriptures with a, a fresh eyes to really ask God, like, what is it that, that you want me to do? What, what is the reality of who you are? And help me to understand it. God, help me to have a freshness in, in my prayer life that as I'm facing things, I'm inviting you in because you've shown that you love me so much that you sent your son and he's personal. If you think about it, it's an amazing reality that we have. It's living and alive. And our faith should represent that. So I want encourage you just to kind of ponder those things wherever you are. And I want to invite the band up as we, we take some, some next steps. And the first next step is probably the most important invitation that we could give. And that first next step is to decide to become a Christian for the first time. Now the word Christian uh, is used so much in our culture. It's actually used so much in the world, uh, in different parts of the world. If you're in America, you're a Christian. I don't know if you knew that. But then, if you're in America, you're like, I don't know if there's any Christians. You know, you might think that, right? Except at our church, right? But but the, the word Christian literally means like you're you're a follower of Christ. Uh, but it's it's even more. Nuance in that it means that you've surrendered and given your whole life to Him. The invitation that He's He's God. He's eternal. He can connect me back, and the way He connects me back is that He became human in the flesh. He came to me because I cannot go to Him. He has the authority to forgive my sins because He died for them. He took the only action sacrifice, because the wages of sin is what? Death and he died. So when you become a Christian, you say, I am gonna give my whole life to him. I will not be perfect and I will mess up and I'm gonna like a lot of mud pies in my life. But I wanna give my life to him and I wanna surrender control. I wanna stop looking in all the wrong places and I wanna start looking for Christ and find him. And as you seek him, you will find him because he came to us first. So if you never become and you can become a Christian today, you can decide, like, you know what? I've had my questions. I've had my doubts. I've had my concerns. But I'm ready to become a Christian today. And you surrender. And you surrender one time. Like, I give my whole life to him. And it's like a vow. It's like every day. Like, I do. I want to follow him. But you become a Christian one time. You surrender. And you let him be the boss of your life. He'll, he will lead you. This is the most important decision you can make in your life. What the scripture says is, if, if you believe and you confess that He is God, you, you will be saved. That's the promise. And so I invite you to take that step today. Uh, the second, next step is is come back the next week and invite someone. Again, the invitation from true to real. Are there people in your life that they could encounter this truth and and be transformed? If you don't invite them, they they may not know they're invited. Most people don't come to things unless they're invited. So come back next week and think of somebody that you can invite. It could change their life. You don't know what God's doing in their life right now, the questions that they have, the doubts, the fears, and how God could speak to them. I encourage you to, to think about that. Again, true, we should invite somebody. Real, I will invite somebody, and this is their name. See the difference? And then only will I think of their name, I'm gonna actually take initiative to do it. And I'm gonna get butterflies and a knot in my stomach and everything's gonna tell me I shouldn't do it, but I'm gonna do it, true to real. You get what I'm saying? And then the last, um, I think Emily mentioned this on the announcements. If, if you're interested in learning more about our church, we wanna invite you to partner with us to be a part of what God's doing here at Ridgeview. And so it's not too late. Come to the preview and that's what it is. It's not like a... Uh, a preview, um, what are those called, timeshare? Terrible, you know, I should have never said that. Because now you're like, I'm not going. And we don't have any free gifts, that's the bummer. But it, it's a preview, really it means how can you get a vision and questions answered in, in a short time frame? And that's why we do this class because it allows you to learn more than maybe would take months just attending on a Sunday, trying to infer, trying to pick up on things. If you come, we'll tell you, this is why we do what we do. This is how we do it. And we want you to be a part of it. And so that's why it's called the preview, not a timeshare. Forget I ever said that and remove that from your mind. All right, let's pray together as we close out. Father, thank you for just the apostles that have gone before us. John, who had a relationship with you that, that knew your son and he had seen and he has heard and he had testified and, and we get to be invited to see the things that he saw. And it's so easy to take your word for granted, but the fact that it's been revealed, and if you didn't reveal it, we wouldn't know it. And it's truth in a world full of lies and deceit and confusion. It's truth. And we can build our life on the word of life, on Christ and your holy scriptures. God, give us fresh eyes to see your word so that it may be real to us. Show us things in our heart that you want to transform, just areas of our life where we understand, but but there's no implementation. God, thank you for your love, for sending Christ for us. We praise your holy name. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.